after a lifetime of being the world's most famous enemies. You can count on me like one, two, three, I'll Tom and Jerry there. are about to start over. Cause that's what friends are supposed to do all day. In the big city. This hotel has been host to four presidents, three popes, two kings, and we're about to host the wedding of the century. Do you think you're qualified to take on this position? I shine under pressure, like a diamond. Poor Rihanna. <laughs> One other thing. Chapter one. Um, well, here we are. <laughs> um, today it is officially March 12th, which means that uh, Tom and Jerry is opening its third weekend, uh, both in theaters and on the streaming platform, HBO Max. Um, its opening weekend, it brought in $14 million at the box office, which is, is pretty surprising, um, given that you could watch it at home for free, uh, legally. Um, but it, it's a good sign for theaters, um, and surprisingly, this this movie actually outpaced um, the new Disney flick, which had a much bigger budget, Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is surprising to some folks. Um, so a real strong showing for Tom and Jerry, you guys. Um, the, it's opening weekend. It was probably like the second best film weekend we've had since pandemic started um we are currently at about 11 months post uh trolls world tour which is you know the moment that um the barrier between streaming services and theaters disintegrated um well thank you guys for for being back with us uh (laughs) i'm tanner and uh i'm here as always with Jenny Kay and David McMichael, and um, we have a special guest this week, Caroline Gormley, and uh, who also happens to be the uh, guest programmer for the week. <laughs> yeah, um, I texted Jenny and was like, "We need to talk about Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Somebody needs to talk about Tom and Jerry." <laughs> what initially drew you to this movie? Um, so the, the trailer kept popping up and like promoted tweets in my feed. And eventually I was just like, wait, what is happening? Tom and Jerry and Chloe Grace Moritz. I I forget how to say her name. I need to look into this someday. Right. So I told Jenny, like, I've only seen the, like parts of the trailer without audio so I don't know anything about this movie, except it it looks chaotic. And so when I finally did watch it with sound, I realized it didn't matter. There there's no like there's nothing to be gained because it's just weird music and no dialogue. Which yeah, I was along for the ride from the beginning. I saw when I when I looked at the. Um official blue check tom and jerry instagram today which i see that we'll be talking about later um i saw that one of um hbo's uh 
like marketing strategies that they're really leading into <laughs> is just saying how long the movie is and telling parents that they won't have to deal with their kids for that long. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> this trailer the 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 trailer on Instagram is like this movie is an hour and 41 minutes long. Okay. Mm. And then there's like the insert of of Chloe Grace Moretz being like what? And then they're like, yeah, you can go take a bath. And it's Jerry like soaking in his bath. And Chloe is like, wow, I love this. And uh, that makes so much sense. I think that really, that really speaks volumes to uh, their, their confidence in this movie. I think it's also upsetting to hear that because this means uh, children will be watching this without parental guidance. Yeah. <laughs> did y'all, did y'all see that all of, um, all of the like yelps and yelps from this movie were all um, like pulled from mm-hmm. um, archival uh, like yelps that Hannah recorded back when they back from like forty to fifty seven when this was initially on. Yeah, that's shocking because that. I did comment. I said, "Wow, that is that they don't make they don't record screeches and yelps like that anymore so whoever did that like hats off to them yeah yeah they just they like dug it up they found those those time capsules they're dead people screams is what you're saying (laughs) well yeah yeah 15 years dead it's haunting (laughs) i mean it is i mean tom and jerry do seem to be immortal both um, like on a long timeline and also in each moment. Um, <laughs> it is so, a uh, it is a story of immortality. Um, yeah. But I also like to think of they are like trapped in a sort of purgatory. <laughs> I remember I Tom and Jerry being so violent. And I was having a conversation <laughs> about this earlier and how um, you know they used to like chop each other up and stuff and in this movie how bizarre it was to have say tom falling 10 stories onto a cobblestone street like it felt really unsettling all of especially the because the cobblestones were like it like the, the their environment wasn't animated it right was, that's why it was yeah real person stuff that was yeah they're being hit by real bats and yeah, falling and onto real trucks. streets. Yeah, and getting run over by real trucks. And so, people yeah. are responding. Like, the <clears throat> humans walking by on the street react to it, which makes it feel like it breaks the the fourth wall of animation. Like, that would that would disturb me if I were walking down the street and a, a very large cat fell from ten stories up and then just got up and, like, started clamoring up the wall again i would and it was then it was then struck by lightning repeatedly or you could see his bones inside of his body yeah i would not be okay no no i don't think so either it's and like especially after that type of in in kind of like a like a media way after that type of like extreme violence i feel like has been satirized by you know like Simpsons notably with their like Tom and Jerry in show show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, it's fucking weird to see it come back like for a feature length studio, like tentpole movie 
They're like, this movie is going to ride on this like really extreme violence between these two children's characters. It's so weird to like watch that play out over an hour and 41 minutes. Yeah, the hour I and 41 minutes. Like Gore being like, <laughs> they can't just show this in a children's movie. <laughs> like, it was upsetting. I am curious about the, the movies, David. You'll have to maybe expand on that because to me, Tom and Jerry was something that you would catch yeah between shows it's like this short form content and it's made to be short form <clears throat> that's why they don't talk there's why that's why they're not plots like it's just these gags and they're they were creative inventive gags and they're like mm-hmm. let's let's expand this into like a long form narrative and that was just such a bad call uh, that was that was one of the things that I was like looking back at today. Um, I mean, I haven't seen that Tom and Jerry movie in ages, but I, I was looking back at that again today, and um, that was what people were saying about that movie as well: is that Tom and Jerry are like not the central figures in the movie, and they are kind of like auxiliary to the main plot, as they are in this movie. I mean, they're auxiliary to like the four main plots of the movie, um, and they're just there for like side gags. Um, yeah i think that's so real like the it's such a prime example of like something that works well over six minutes just like there's no reason to pump it up to like a feature-length movie right other than cashing in on nostalgia dollars that's it yeah Yeah. much like a a young caroline would watch tom and jerry because i didn't have any other options i think hbo is kind of like what other movies are you going to see? <laughs> and didn't they and they're right. release they're right. like some short film, anim- fully animated shorts with this on HBO? I think I saw that a couple. I was reading that, yeah. They did upload like um, old episodes of Tom and Jerry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Which is probably just a move to be like, what are you watching next? I don't know. I watched I watched those shorts beforehand to kind of like get in the headspace and oh. yeah, it was a rude awakening. Like I forgot how violent <laughs> those are. Like very upsetting. At least these are maybe not like the like racist cartoons that we're having to like this isn't like getting canceled like the Muppets or like <laughs> Uh, you know, anything like that. Pepe Le Pew. Right. Um, There's like a playfulness to it. Like they're both on board with what's happening in a way. I think that that's true. (laughs) I think that that's really nice. Yeah. When I was younger, being the cat, I saw Tom as like the villain in a way. And you see Jerry's this, like, cute little guy. But in this movie, it reminded me that, oh, Jerry was, Jerry was the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's he like needs... die a Tom or live long enough to see yourself become the Jerry. Wow. <laughs> exactly. I had a similar experience anywhere. I was, like, remembering Tom as the, the baddie. And then, yeah, watching him being like, actually, Jerry it's kind of shitty and he a lot of problems could be avoided if he just like chilled out for a second you know 
He brings out the worst in Tom. Straight to video. Mm. I noticed the director's Tim story mm-hmm. and also the voice of the pigeon announcer. And like that, is Tim story a real person? Like it has to be a pen name, <laughs> I think, right? He is a real person that directed Casey and Jojo music videos and, and really? Barbershop and oh my God. Ride Along and sh- the new yeah. Shaft. Yeah. Um, I feel silly now. That's, I mean, a, that's a hell of a name. It's a director. Yeah, it's like, you know, Dr. Braces is like an orthodontist or something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was my orthodontist I, name. It's like. Did you yeah. say that was your orthodontist name? <laughs> yeah, David. It's Dr. Old Dr. Braces. He was great. Old family friend. The, we have a, I have a lot to say about the soundtrack, but um, I did like the Easter egg the joker poster did y'all see that in the beginning with uh no. droopy oh Put my god face. yeah oh it was droopy yes they replaced the joker with him but droopy was like hannibal lecter later yeah yeah but he's also in that poster in the mm-hmm. beginning and it's like a joker ripoff post it was kind of like below the john legend banner yeah in the yeah, beginning Next to the Chase, um, Chase Bank. Yeah, I think it was my favorite joke of the movie. I really like that. (laughs) And would totally watch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, um, I learned from the, uh, from a behind the scenes video that I was watching. Um, Oh my God, I saw this uh, one, David, I think. This was uh, Prita, uh, the ac- the actor playing Prita said this in the behind the scenes video. She, she said, um, "The last words of the script are, and Tom and Jerry chase each other around forever and evermore." <laughs> <laughs> Which I just like as the last words of a script, like someone wrote that down in the script, as as directions for like how that movie was gonna end, and um, I don't know. I just. I've just been thinking about that. I wonder if that was the same BTS video I saw where I was surprised that they used actual puppets for Tom and Jerry. Yeah. So, like, instead of just a tennis ball on a stick, like oftentimes these kind of movies would be, there were actual people with puppets of Tom and Jerry that were animating them with the cast so the cast could kind of, like, interact with something. Um, Yeah, and it's... (laughs) And it's it was funny learning that because, I mean, it, when you watch the movie, it doesn't seem oh. like the people are interacting with it. <laughs> Chloe Metz's eyeline is everywhere. <laughs> Even like the when they're like grab something to carry it, it they it, you're grabbing air. Like it doesn't even look like they have anything in their arms. You know, just like. Did anybody see Doolittle? Doctor Doolittle. Mm-hmm. The Robert Downey Jr. one, yeah. Oh, the new no. I was scared. It's like, it's like same story, like okay, same Tim story, like <laughs> yeah. The eyelines don't match up between any of the characters at all. Um, spatially, nothing makes sense. It's mm. a disaster. It's like some but, uh, some Neil Breen eyelines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But that movie was like a huge bomb and like initial returns on this movie I thought would be bad, but they're not. Like this movie is doing fine. Which yeah. is makes me sad. But everyone <laughs> I mean everyone's you know panning it, but yeah. But I watching get, it. But they are watching and it. They're giving it a try. We're encouraging it. I was honestly. surprised to learn how long this movie has been in development. Like I think on Wikipedia, it said 2008 or nine. They originally w- decided they were going to do a live action slash animated film, and then it turned into an anime, a full animated film, in like t- what 2018 or something, and then and then it, it became what it is now. Um, Tim Story did Shaft, and they were like, "You've got, you've got to do the new <laughs> Tom and Jerry movie." <laughs> this man knows slapstick. Chapter two. Any questions? Um, so what additional unanswered questions do you guys have about this movie? Caroline, you want to start? I mean, this is a really basic one. I wrote down like two minutes into this movie. What happened to make all the animals animated and humans live action humans like it seems like something terrible happened or (laughs) it just really confused me like and maybe that's okay like maybe they want me to sit in that confusion (laughs) but i i was trying to like follow the rules of this universe and that really helped me (laughs) good luck (laughs) that really helped me like work through it like the animals are cartoons but they are real Mm -hmm. they they are perceived by others around them Mm -hmm. loved cared for as pets Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. some of them like the street cats the pigeons spike toots like the there are a lot of animals that can actually speak um like vocalize but like we know the humans don't perceive it because then it will like cut to them just like barking or whatever but tom and jerry tom and jerry have their own rules i think that's what was like opening up so many questions for me um quick question for me um can Tom sing or was he lip syncing to a song? No. Tom can I think, sing. I think he can sing. It's T-Pain, okay. by the way. That's what it seemed like. I love that. Is it actually T-Pain? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then the, then it's okay. Tom singing voice. Yeah, Tom singing voice is T-Pain. He can't it's speak, but he can song. only. Yeah. I feel um, like the whole. Live so why doesn't he just sing all the time? in order to communicate with people instead of um, blowing up finger balloon words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like very literate. Um, He can can communicate in a a variety of ways, including writing things down, but it was a weird choice for him to, at that particular moment, start singing a love song. With auto-tune. Yeah. Already baked into his voice. Yeah, that really opened a a whole new series of questions for me. I really the um 
the the thing with all the animals being animated it is it's such a weird thing to see like all the animals be animated and only the animals be animated like there aren't any it's not like a mary poppins situation where some objects are also animated or some backgrounds are also animated it's just the animals um that's what chloe we're talking about this right now it makes me wonder like (laughs) when i don't know like when a human like uh like eats uh like a chicken sandwich (laughs) like are they gonna eat eat like that an animated sandwich. yeah because the fish that were dead were animated so they're right, right exactly. and it's like yeah. is your poop animated wait yeah. oh like the dog poop just anyone anyone who poop? eats animal products oh right is it animated yeah. inside of you how far does it go well the the dog uh spike ate a lot of burritos and then pooped I think like a normal poop. We we don't. You see the poop bag. Yeah, yeah but, but you don't. They can see interact the with cartoon. Like they can interact with animated things. So he could be interacting with animated burrito poop. I think the that's bell. the ultimate so, question I have. <laughs> was the oh poop real? <laughs> <laughs> that that moment though was the most disturbing moment of the movie to me when Spike poops because he like shivers and he like makes sinister eye contact (laughs) like i don't i don't like that i don't like that part david i have something to add on to like big poop i thought it was gonna be bigger yeah (laughs) i thought he got into like a tree tray of burritos though Yeah, yeah but like when he went to pick it up it was like one hand one hand and done Mm. yeah it was normal which as a dog like i have a regular sized dog and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not that easy and that's not (laughs) having eaten a bunch of burritos right Hmm. maybe with less the size and more the color and consistency Mm -hmm. but wait um Regarding the animated backgrounds and trees, I feel like Chloe Moretz got like bamboozled because in that BTS video, she says she was hooked on this script because Tim Story told her that there would be like animated leaves and like anim- little um, like little parts of the sky would be animated, and she liked that idea. And so I was looking for that throughout the whole movie and was like, she got bamboozled. There was nothing else animated. That is um, so true. I. I, I watched that after I watched the movie and I was like, did I just miss all of the animated skies and leaves and everything? No. I, there were there. times where like um, onomatopoeia was animated. Like if they were fighting, it would oh. be like, bam. Yeah. Which I right. thought was weird. That interrogation scene where they just kept like right. all the text that... Like the words were, the words were like popping up behind... Yeah, that yeah. was bizarre. I feel like so the this fact- is mm, it's a pandemic problem. Like they they finished filming right before it started, and then normally animators like and producers all work together in a singular location, like on a single like you know like ginormous server. Um, and 
in order to animate this film they all had to work remotely from like all across the globe and work on like off like a remote server situation and so they had to go way slower and so you you can i mean you can tell that they had bigger plans and that they just kind of had to do what they could and get it out there we're all doing our best can you imagine like in the midst of all this like man i really 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 gotta get this done and it's tom and jerry the movie (laughs) oh my god (laughs) the the resources that went into getting this across the finish line devastating i mean reminds me of cats i think ultimately like what i kept coming back to with that bigger question is like there's there's gonna be a gas leak in the hotel it's gonna come down to that or something like environmental where they like fix it and then all the the animals are gone or they're like regular live action animals but it didn't go I that think way that would have been yeah and tom and jerry turn into great fix. real animals that'd be funny yeah and that'd be cute mm-hmm I would believe that everyone was experiencing some kind of natural gas poisoning in this film, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it would explain everything. I feel like it's that the fact that what you were saying earlier about them being animated and being perceived as real is so such a weird decision that I feel like made or breaked and eventually broke this film because thinking about the other live action movies with animation that we probably both all like is, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Space Jam, stuff like that. They're perceived as these like separate beings. You have to go into like a a different realm, you know? Like Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And like Michael mm-hmm. Jordan gets pulled into Looney Tune land or whatever through the golf or they're at least now like yeah the tunes or something like they're acknowledged to be this other s- sort of like entity and that can like interact and play off of it but the fact that they're just no one not only does everyone not like acknowledge that they're cartoons they also don't acknowledge that it's weird for them to have like unnatural abilities like playing the piano <laughs> yeah and that it's, was so unsettling. It's like, what if I, animals but cartoon? Mm. <laughs> and full stop. That's it. What just, if animals just that. But, that was the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, following on that, um, I'm curious. I'm curious about your like emotional reactions to different set pieces in this movie, but I think especially um, like the complete destruction of the hotel and wedding. <laughs> Like, what What did you... My question is, like, what did you feel while, while like, witnessing that on your computer screen? Oh, absolutely nothing. I don't know <laughs> what you mean. No, um, I, I had to, like, stand up at one point. Like, I was standing up watching it. Like, this is a lot. Like, it was so... It got so bad so fast. Yeah, it did. It was stressful. I mean, the like manager of the hotel was not that upset. Yeah, and why? 
His hotel, I don't know because it doesn't matter because nothing matters. I know, and they spent so long setting it up that that glass ceiling was so that was his favorite thing in the hotel. Oh my god, I wrote down as soon as that showed up, I was like, Chekhov's glass ceiling. I was like, as soon as they introduce it, you know, it's gonna get broken. (laughs) I like the, the, the whole like wedding destruction set piece. I was like, this is, I mean. This is like the showstopper, right? Like everything's been building to this. I mean, you know it's gonna happen. They've been talking about how big and like expensive this wedding is. And I was trying to figure out like if I was supposed to feel if I was supposed to think it was funny, like um if if it was like a gag. Um but really like all I could keep thinking of was um that scene from Meet the Parents where he spikes a volleyball like into the woman's nose and breaks her nose right before her <laughs> wedding. It was just like I feel so like cringe and embarrassed and I can't, like this isn't fun. It's not fun to watch. And like no. the just like how it like the the people getting married were just like okay the wedding's off. You yeah. know, it was. It brought. Um, it really crystallized a lot of the like underlying issues, which I thought was important. <laughs> like you know, maybe this is for the greater good, but then it wasn't because they fixed it in the end. But yeah, it was sad. It was- I thought that was yeah. going to be the moment where, like, I was picking up on something between Kayla and Preeta throughout the film. Oh, me yeah. too. Okay. Me too. There yeah. were points where I was like, oh, my God, they're going to kiss. Yes. They happened. would, like, look at each other from across the hall. And I don't know. There was something going on there. And I thought, this is their, this is about to be a revolutionary film. Like, Kayla is going to fall in love, right? But doing so like calls off this huge important wedding that means everything to this hotel for some reason and um like that's going to be the conflict like i really thought i like wrote that down yeah i also i love that like i think we all um understand and acknowledge that the various emotional centers of this movie had nothing to do with Tom and Jerry. <laughs> like there's, nothing. There's this, there's this wedding. Um, there was Chloe's like rise to hotelier stardom. There was Michael Pena's like, he's like, this job is really important to me. And then the white girl like lies and destroys my career. <laughs> right. Um, they're like all of these things. And Tom and Jerry are, are <laughs> like, you know, auxiliary to any of the things that are happening. Yeah, it feels like a film Tom about Tom and Jerry them. are just, they're just like the commercial before the movie plays where the popcorn is animated and it's like, no talking. <laughs> and it's like they tried to base a whole movie around the like, don't talk during the movie popcorn. Whoa. Oh my God. Tanner, that, that would have been a happen. great movie if the if there was a Tom and Jerry preview before this film and they somehow got like, like you're watching it in a drive-in and there's a tornado like in Twister and it like fucks up. An animal tornado. And they, they get talk about stuck that. in that they movie. Yes. <laughs> and then that's how they're in the like real world. I, yeah, I'd be into that. Just some sort of 
plot. Semblance of an explanation for why this is happening. Well, we don't even get is, is, Chloe's, like... We we have no character development for her. There's no reason for us to be rooting for her. When we first meet her, she steals no. the job of someone else. She sucks. She, no, everybody sucks. Yeah. That's the whole point. There's no hero. <laughs> that's not the point, but everybody sucks. No, that's not... Joy doesn't suck. Cameron doesn't suck. Joy even kind of sucks, though. Everyone sucks. Okay, Cameron is friends with Tom and Jerry, which means that Cameron sucks. <laughs> yeah, I was... That's a question. That is a question I had. Because Tom and Jerry suck. How did they... How did Cameron, Tom, and Jerry connect? Like, I was trying to explain that my husband went to bed before the movie ended last night. And he was like, what ended up happening? And I was trying to explain it to him. I was like, but don't, after the wedding was ruined, um, the next day, Cameron, Tom, and Jerry came to talk to Kayla. And he was like, all together? And I was like, yeah, I didn't question it. Um, and Tom and Jerry Wait, had a is, really good idea. That Cameron, Cameron couldn't. No, the bartender. The bartender. Here's the thing, though. Tom and Jerry were conveying their idea their plan to like save the day which was like not the most emotionally healthy solution and which he couldn't understand and cameron, cameron couldn't, understand. Friend, couldn't understand <laughs> it. how so, did they get there what happened because he clearly there's no internal logic for this movie <laughs> it drives me fucking insane yeah there's some level Here. of understanding that happened at some point to get them to a downtown farmer's market <laughs> right but the fact is is what we learned at the top of this podcast that this movie was made to be background noise and so there's no reason in us trying to apply logic to anything that happens here i just i feel like there is a core plot that appeals to millennials of struggling to find work and figuring out if marriage is right for you and that's enough to pull you in, plus the nostalgia of Tom and Jerry. And it's like millennial parents. And then here's this movie. Just put it on. And that's it. Damn it, Jenny. I guess that's right. I mean, Tanner, you've yeah. got your question here. Who is this movie for? I mean, it has to be for, like, millennials who are looking for jobs. I mean, kids, there's no, there are no children characters in this movie. That's so true. My God. No, I think this movie is for everybody to answer my own question <laughs> because it's for boomers who think that who don't remember that tom and jerry sucks they just remember <laughs> that it's a thing that they watched <laughs> and then like bonus for millennials like capitalism sucks and is hard unless you're a white person and right and, and then, then kids just... is just like bright colors and fighting but like for kids you know there's the few scenes of tom and jerry which i will say are the highlight of the movie is anytime it's just them but yeah then then these kids are watching chloe just tom and jerry yeah those are your favorite part yeah oh that's cool you need help that's a cry for help I thought those, I mean, they do some of their original slapstick stuff. I know, Tanner, well, this is impossible because you don't like slapstick. But I just mean, I like. I'm sorry. It's my fault. It was the only time that I wasn't, like, I'm completely asleep. Because I was just like, oh, you know, there was just more freedom there versus Chloe Moretz just talking to people. Which was, like, oh my God. really the other 75% of this movie 
was just people I'm, making very awkward jokes at no one and Chloe just talking to people. I'm with you on that, Jenny. Caroline, I want to I want to hear your question about the about the Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the biggest question we need to resolve. Mm-hmm. Who it implies that they have a social media manager of some kind. Um, Let's pictures. set up the scene of this Instagram. What's going on? So, I believe it enters the picture when um, Kayla sends them on their uh, chaperone play date to keep them away from the wedding. Mm-hmm. And they're like having fun and taking pictures together, taking selfies. But yeah. it never shows them like posting it on the gram. I think it, if I remember correctly, like Prita, we see it through Prita's eyes as she's mm-hmm. scrolling Instagram and like <laughs> it's basically Tom and Jerry feed. Like anything on her feed is Tom and Jerry check mark. Um, and it's like. Does it have an actual check mark? I think so. I, yeah, they're remarkable. definitely blue check. I don't remember yeah. that. Also, who's taking those photos? Because like we see right. Jerry do the one selfie, but all the other photos are both of them in frame, far away. It was like major Emily and Perry vibes <laughs> yes. of like, <laughs> yeah. The, this does not match up to the thing we're watching, and we're being like gaslit. But, mm. um. How did they, like, in the course of a few hours, go from being, like, sworn enemies to having a joint Instagram account that has a pretty large following? Like, they were doing numbers. And... And she she doesn't even... I don't think she has even encountered them at that point in the movie. No. Mm -hmm. I don't think she knows they exist. No, she hasn't. No, that's the so, whole point, is that she's not supposed to know they exist. And, but she's just scrolling through the Tom and Jerry Instagram account. I, I went and looked, and that, I mean, there is an Instagram account with, like, 700,000 followers that, that is the Tom and Jerry account. It's the same name as it is that you can clearly see on Preta's phone in the movie. And so I was wondering, I was like, is this... Is this an ad in the movie to get people to follow the mm, Tom and Jerry mm-hmm. Instagram account? It's like, this is complete platform apocalypse. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I just, I feel like the Instagram account should get people to watch the movie, but they're like, man, we need to use this movie to get more people to follow our Instagram account that's about this movie. It's like the Bachelor franchise. It's just like a pipeline to social media influencership. Oh, shit. That's true. But, like, just imagine, like, watching this movie in 10 years and seeing that. No one will. It's like watching (laughs) Xenon. Just imagine watching this movie in 10 years, full stop. (laughs) Um, I have a quick question about the core challenge of this film is, like, um, if you guys were getting married at this hotel and you heard there was a tiny... little mouse in the hotel would you cancel your very expensive wedding because there's a mouse i would one one mouse congratulations y'all are doing well (laughs) in new york yeah in a in a historic hotel in new york 
that is like phenomenal and he's not even really like he has his own hotel tiny tiny hotel room it's cute it's really cute he has a door he has has a revolving door out front joy she's ripping up towels to give him tiny towels yeah like i feel like that's that would have been the solve here is like cool continue living in your tiny mouse hotel if anything this is gonna bring more people here because they want to see your tiny mouse hotel cute absolutely and like the michelin star like that seemed to be their big concern was like this Mm. chef who made a tacky as hell wedding cake is trying to get a michelin star so the michelin people are gonna come to this wedding yeah, that's not and how it works. And there can't be a mouse. It's like, have y'all seen Ratatouille? <laughs> this hotel is two centuries old. They don't have a Michelin star yet, and they're fancy. It's not going to be at this influencer's wedding where they're going to get it. Where he There's just- a restaurant this that opened this year and got a Michelin star after 20 days. <gasps> where? Like, come on, you guys. So they're not at all also, particular. Also, why is Kim Jong in this movie? He's in this movie for like okay, 70 seconds. Also he must from have signed on to do it like 12 years ago. <laughs> Him and Tim Story are friends. He talks about that in the BTS video that has all this info. I like that. Oh. Yeah. I think that they're just friends and that's why. That video is hilarious. I recommend you all watch it because... Everyone has to talk about, A, why they're in the film, what they like about it, the story and stuff. And it just sounds like it's it's middle school and no one prepared for the presentation. And they're all just like, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's Tom and there's Jerry. And it's a classic tale. Mm. And and Tim, you know, An American he tale. really knows what he's doing. And everyone's just like trying to be really serious about their involvement in the film and how it's going. And we're like, we all know why you're there. Chapter 3. How could I have been in Chicago? So up next, we are going to do some awards. First up is the award for It Was the Best of Lines, It Was the Worst of Lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, What line of dialogue is the most straight to streaming? Um, I think this movie is so hard because I feel like I could just pick any line and it would fit... um, like, shout out to when Michael Pena says, if a picture of this mouse is tweeted out to Instabookface or the Tiki Talk, we are ruined. <laughs> because a joke where you get the name of Facebook wrong is very, like, 2009. <laughs> yeah. um, shout out to Michael Pena also referencing an animal tornado. I love that. Um, I think... Uh, my first candidate is these two lines, though, um, which I believe are both from Chloe, which are, I'm sorry, he's a little animated, and that was a cat and mouse situation. Um, I think Colin Joe says the animated one. Uh, probably. (laughs) Just, like, fuck those lines of dialogue so much. Um... (laughs) I don't care. I get it. <laughs> like, postmodernism was over like twenty years. Ago. <laughs> Just get get on with it. Um, 
but like I get how you have to say those lines of dialogue in a movie like this um, that is you know straight to streaming if you're talking about a like mm-hmm. ancient IP movie like Tom and Jerry um, my second candidate which I think is better is when um, the goldfish in Rob Delaney's office uh, thinks a poop emoji <laughs> <laughs> I really um, <laughs> just tracked with that mm-hmm. because I was also thinking of poop. <laughs> Do you think they the can see the, th- the thought bubbles like we can? Oh, uh, no. Mm. Um, or else I Maybe think Tom that like the animals know. would be thinking in speech bubbles the whole time. Because right. that only happened twice. Mm-hmm. Like, Jerry thought in a speech bubble that was, like, money or something one time. The piano. And the gold. Yeah. I mean, like everything else, there are no rules in this movie. But, like, Tom <laughs> can write things down and, like, draw things and they see it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And, um, Yeah. I feel I, like yeah, they I could see. Again. I feel like poop they emoji could speech see. bubble for me. That's that's my final answer. <laughs> yeah, I love that fish. Um, kind of attitude. Mine mine happened in the beginning, um, when Tom is playing the piano and he's pretending to be blind so people will take pity for him. He's like in Central Park and and they're giving him money and then Jerry's introduced and he like fucks his shit up. And Tom drops his glasses and it's clear that he's not blind and everyone's outraged. And it's just like one lady's like, he's not blind. He's just a regular cat playing a piano. <laughs> and I, I was like, had the, I wrote down the, um, the sibling of that line sp- spoken by the same lady. He's amazing <laughs> on the piano and blind too. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> like, do you want us to sympathize with the main characters of the movie? Or should they be pretending to have a disability in the very first scene? Just like, all you have to do in a fucking movie is in the first se- scene have the main character, like, do something good. <laughs> And we got the opposite of that. <laughs> I feel like it's some. It's like so one of those things that used to be okay, right? Like in the um, like the Disney Robin Hood. Like Robin Hood is doing that at one point to be mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. getting um, people to donate money on the street. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of those things that like doesn't doesn't look good. I don't think they were concerned about making anyone likable in this movie, so I'm not surprised. And honestly, Tom, people were really mean to Tom, like very aggressively violent towards him. Um, so I don't blame him for like, well, if I pretend to be blind, people don't kick me in my stomach and throw me out of like a moving vehicle honestly it's kind of the same arc that michael pina has which you know they probably set that up intentionally that chloe's the jerry and michael pina's the the tom Mm -hmm. but like he 
yeah. you know, is trying to do his best, just trying to make some money, rise the ranks, and then Jerry comes in and, like, pushes him to his breaking point, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's just fucking shit up. Um, speaking Whoa. of Tom, my other line uh, that I just rolled my eyes at was, um, you know, the the only the reason that Tom and Jerry are interacting with Chloe Moretz or anyone at all is because Chloe, you know, has conned her way into this role as event coordinator at the hotel and she needs to get rid of this mouse and she has the brilliant idea to hire a cat because it's in their DNA to catch mice. And so she hires Tom and in the process of doing that, she's trying to, you know, convince her boss, Rob Delaney, to hire him. And then he feels backed into a corner because... And if word gets out that we're refusing to hire a cat, well, PETA will be here before you can say discriminatory practices. And I was like... <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. Jesus Christ. It's so bleak. I know. This movie is definitely like an incel who writes like libtard screeds on Facebook. Like, like in that same scene, all three of them... Um, it's like everyone in the room um chloe is like uh refers to t- either tom or jerry as a he and then they're all like oh but i mean maybe it's she like we're not being gender discriminatory like uh it's gender fluid now right and i'm like you're you're using all of these things as punchlines like <laughs> why very bizarre oh no um i was telling my friend marshall about this movie and he just texted me because we talked about it and he now just got a sponsored ad from the Tom and Jerry Instagram account. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Sorry. Um Okay, we we already talked about one of my favorites went hand in hand with one of Jenny's. The other one, I feel like I had to stop it, rewind it, and rewatch it, I don't know, like, 12 times just to, like, really drink in the moment um, <laughs> where Kayla says, where I came from, there were no real opportunities. <laughs> and then Cameron, the bartender, says, where's that? And she responds, a small town in Penn State. Picture seeing your whole future before you and you can't stand it. That was me there. What? (laughs) (laughs) Penn State? I I don't know. (laughs) Penn State. Do people call Pennsylvania Penn State? No. No, No, they don't. Nobody could. (laughs) No one could. And just the iron, like. They call it the iron pen. Um, a small National town treasure. in Penn State, and she's just talking about like where I came from. There were no real opportunities, and yet here I am, like literally failing upwards. And she's saying all this to like a young black man who's just like, "Hello, right. I'm here. I exist to respond to you." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was just so... everyone is f- failing upwards. <laughs> who is white in this movie that's so literally true. everyone um my my two quotes were i think they were both from the first time that um we go up to preta and, and ben's actually i mean he's colin jones like i'm not no even he doesn't have another name. name he's no 
Prita, Prita and Colin Jost's room. Um, and uh, he's playing golf on that gigantic like VR wall. Oh my God. Um, like smart house. He said, he was like this, something like this room or this, this is a great thing. Like it really replicates how bad I am at golf in real life. Um, but then he says, I haven't seen this many shanks since I was in prison. <laughs> and, and it like similar, we were talking over that. the break about, on. we were talking over the break about like, about like the prison aspect of this movie, which is just like, so, I mean, always inappropriate. Like here it is too. And, and I feel like we've talked about this in other straight to streaming movies. Like, the joke about Shanks for some reason is really sticky in like this type of movie. Like maybe it's cause it is supposed to stand in for like an edgy joke or something, but uh, terrible. Um, my other one, this is, this is my favorite line of the movie, but I feel like it's a great straight to streaming line from a different movie. Um, but it's, uh, uh, you know, one of the many like core plots of this movie is that Preta doesn't want the wedding to be so big. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but um, she says, I have a feeling that this small Indian wedding is going to be a great big disaster. <laughs> <laughs> There's and so she's right, though. <laughs> many random subplots to this movie. Yeah. It's like an animal tornado of plots. that's so real if what i think is happening is happening it better not be okay um next award straight to streeping which performer or element delivers the most big picture slash movie star performance in this film (laughs) david who you got um, I'm definitely going with Michael Pena. I thought, I mean, he kind of gets like a shitty role to play, especially towards the back half of the movie. But I thought, I mean, he he kind of like zips the first bit along, like when he's touring around the hotel. I thought that was great. His like um, hamster, the walk his and line, talk. Yeah, his the walk so and talk good. where he's like, the water pressure is never below 50 psi, and our thread count is never below 800. Like I was like, all right, I'm into this movie for this brief period of time. And, and mostly, when he's like uh, mad at Chloe for thinking the goldfish has a position yeah. at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he's great. Like, She's it's crazy. actually funny. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah. It's actually, and like I had, the reason why I'm picking him and the reason why I'm attached to him and his role is, um, I feel like it's very similar to the role that he plays in the Ant-Man movies, and um, yeah. like those movies aren't great, but he again is the best part of those movies, and he's I think he's just super charming. He's got great timing. Um, I I think to me he was he was like the highlight of this movie. I, Michael Pena is a fucking movie star. I yes, yeah. Okay. I was gonna say he's like already a star, but. I really viewed him as, like, if you weren't already, like, this was an Emily Blunt in, like, the Devil Wears Prada moment, where it's, like, Mm -hmm. the complexity, the depth that you bring to this trope of a character. (laughs) And, like, 
you know, I do feel bad for him. Like, he's thrown under the bus big time. And, like, his life is derailed by this imposter from Penn State. And <laughs> yet he, you know, he's still doing, he, he's still an agent of chaos. But <laughs> and, and also, the other thing about Michael Pena in this movie is he... Um, they do that like Hollywood shuffle thing to him where they make him like emphasize his like Latino accent. Yeah. Like oh he doesn't God. talk like that. Mm-hmm. I and I, and I know that was, that had to be a choice that some like a suit or someone made. And was they're like, that you need to do this. When they were making fun of, when Colin Jones was making fun of him for saying humpster. Oh. oh yeah, fuck yeah. that so much. That was so yeah. weird. Instead of hamster, he was like humpster, which I don't know. The way he said it had a bit like a bit of an accent to it, but it felt like yeah. Colin just was poking fun of him or saying but neither I of them was acknowledging think... that's what was happening. Yeah. I think he was trying to make fun of him for being like pretentious, but it didn't come off that way. And that is the fault of the movie. It was yeah, it straight so up sounded. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Michael Pena, first of all, I think should have his own Marvel movie. Um, oh, definitely. Should not be a sidekick. Michael Pena is awesome and is probably my second favorite Scientologist. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who's your first? Um, Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. I don't know I if that's controversial that. or not. I don't know if people have rankings of Scientologists, but I do. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I whenever I remember that about Elizabeth Moss, I'm like, oh, right. And now I'm gonna do that with Michael Pena too. <laughs> um, Jenny, who do you have for straight to streaming? Um, I mean, I think David's pick is the real one. Michael Pena definitely did the best, but I also, um, I also quite enjoyed any scene that the elephants were in. <laughs> um, I like that they had a British accent. Um, they were like just clearly I, I wanted their backstory like clearly this wasn't their first wedding they were like mm. getting prepped to do it mm. trying to psych each other up to perform Jenny I kind of viewed the elephants as a future Tom and Jerry like that's where Tom and Jerry are going to be in their older years like mm. like they're gonna turn into elephants <laughs> just yeah. that relationship where they're getting like they're they're just getting bought and sold for the entertainment of others like their dynamic they give each other a hard time but at the end of the day they're they're colleagues they have each other's back yeah Yeah. exactly they're peers um so yeah i guess that would be my pick caroline who do you have i mean it was so hard for me (laughs) to to (laughs) answer i think michael pena was my my first thought but then i was like i think joy the Mm. bellhop like Mm -hmm. yeah her character was so uh, they didn't give her much to work with in terms of just Mm -hmm. her character sure but she she made me laugh out loud and like not the same way i've been laughing out loud at the whole movie like it felt (laughs) funny in the way it was intended to be I thought that was the one gag that consistently landed is like when they turned around and she was there and they'd scared. Like, y- y- like yelp. 
that I that that got me every time. I thought that was she's and when she was like talking to the um the peacocks, she's like, um, or when oh, she's talking, good. like, they're trying to find a venue for the wedding, take two, and she's like, what about the garden across the street? And uh, Kayla's like, you mean Central Park? And she's like, yeah, whatever you call it. <laughs> like, what? That was an unexpected chuckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that her lines landed the way that they actually were written, which is, is pretty impressive. Um, my pick is not Colin Jost, <laughs> um, because he's the worst, and I don't know why he is getting to be a romantic lead in Hollywood movies. It makes no sense. That's um, I don't know if he's up. a romantic lead in this, so he's like. Uh, who who would you say that is the romantic lead in this? Cameron. <laughs> I don't think it's a rom com. I don't think no, there's, there's any no romance. romance. He's a joke. Like he's I don't know. He's just a I, he's the right person for the role, but he sucks. He also he just has literally nothing to work with. Yeah. I I mean he gets like ten laugh lines in this movie and none of them land. Mm. He does nothing with them. Just like SNL. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't, like, Michael Pena doesn't get a lot to work with. Rob Delaney doesn't get a lot to work with. They do awesome. Joy Bellhop. Well, that's why he's the news dr- on the news desk at SNL. Cool. He's not, like, doing skits. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah. And he's no, the head writer. Like a dumb, like, failing up white guy thing. I don't know. He's the... I, I know. He um, should not be in this movie. He failed up into marrying ScarJo. <laughs> And now he's in oh, the top. I thought I said this earlier, um, but like Rob Delaney played a really excellent Paul F. Tompkins. Like it really felt like yes. <laughs> when I saw the trailer, like the glimpse of his character before, like in the chaos of the trailer, I thought that's who it was, and I was like, cool. And then once the movie started, I was like, whoa, Rob Delaney is playing <laughs> this character, Paul F. Tompkins who's playing the manager of this hotel. All right, uh, next award, guess who's coming to dinner? Which character or element are you bringing from this movie to Friendsgiving dinner? I, I'll go. I, I picked an element. At first I was like Prita because she seems fun and flirty. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, if I could bring anything from this movie to Thanksgiving dinner, I would bring magical realism because how <laughs> clutch would that be to just be able to be like, oh, I like need a baster and just like grab it from the air or like <laughs> draw stuff into existence. So Would, would um, at your Thanksgiving dinner, would... Uh the animal products be animated or not yeah so the turkey would be animated and so would our poop afterwards <laughs> no. oh my god sorry i don't make the rules <laughs> take it up with tim's story 
I I also would have picked Preta because I feel like she's the, the one normal. character who wouldn't destroy any Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, I do like. I do not know what Rob Delaney's character's name is, and it doesn't matter. I like how supportive he is. Um, but I dislike um how he's not very like worker friendly. Um, I feel like I have a maybe it's a backstory I invented, um, like head mm. canon, but I feel like he's going through a really hard divorce. Um oh. and could really use that invitation, like it's his first holiday post divorce. And it would mean a lot to him to get the invite. <laughs> I totally agree. I think the reason that I actually decided on Prita is that my mustache is not as nice as Rob Delaney's mustache is, and I didn't want to like invite comparisons. Uh, I don't want any of I don't want anyone or that was in this movie in my house. <laughs> yep. Uh, Why that is, not? That's the cor- that's the correct answer. But I would like um, Jerry's tiny hotel room. That mm. would be an option to like put drunk people or something, or that I could escape to. If look, I'm not saying that I'm tiny. That's I'm not saying I'm as small as a cute little mouse. Okay, but <laughs> okay, Jenny. You know, y'all. I I do love miniatures, and I imagine when I get to throw a Thanksgiving, I will have one for my miniatures as well, and then they could have like a little fun hotel room to like have a little party in um and then i can just know that it's happening and i would love the opportunity to make a tiny thanksgiving dinner yeah you would do a good job you would like magic to be real and also to have a tiny hotel room so it's like a combination wish i guess so i mean the magic is within me so i don't necessarily need it to be real the tiny hotel room could easily be real. I could make one tonight. And I will. Prove it. <laughs> and I will. All right, David, who you got? Oh, I mean, I said Kin Jong, but... I mean, that's not real. But <laughs> He would be stressful. I, really, I just, I just wanted to invite him over to talk to him about community. I think that's... Um, that's, that's what I got. So the that's, actor, that's not the Michelin movie. chef. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh, he was on. I thought you were talking about like talk about community, like the concept. <laughs> I oh. was like, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just get really happy when they finally let her shot. <laughs> so let's let's move on to the last award, which is retail therapy. Um, what's y'all's dream merch from this movie speaking of okay so here's mine speaking of tiny hotel rooms the one thing that i've always liked about tom and jerry is um jerry's like teeny tiny safe comfy room um and i feel like i could replicate that with like model furniture um, and I think that I could also probably secure the magical powers to shrink down my body 
to a tiny body. Um, but I think that it would be really hard to find a um, HGTV that's only one inch big. <laughs> and so that's my dream merch from the movie is that teeny tiny TV. Um, yeah. And if, if for some reason I was not able to shrink my body to teeny tiny, um, I would like to watch this movie on a one inch TV because that way I wouldn't be able to see it very well because it sucks. I think the experience would be exactly the same pretty much. <laughs> um, um, mine, mine would be the, uh, I, as terrible as Colin Jost was, especially in that scene, I did like that giant VR wall. Um, I think that would be pretty nice to have. I would love to just like be on that wall and like, like float through the ocean. I think that would be really nice. Yeah, it's like yeah. a sound bath. They did have fun yeah. gadgets. I would, mm-hmm. I would probably want to try out that motor scooter, even though I know it was a product placement. Like so much was in this movie, but they got me. It sounds Why fun. Why not? Why find not? <laughs> um, terrible. I forgot about really that line. So I also me, like. Can you have just like a hotel room with a glass ceiling? Can I just have a glass ceiling? Has merch? Um, ask Hillary Clinton. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. <laughs> ask uh, the game, directed by David Fincher. Oh, the best movie ever. <laughs> well, the best movie by David Fincher. Uh, well, <laughs> no. We'll, okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> an oxymoron just um i had okay i had two approaches to this question one is like a real life thing that someone made that is related that i would like to own like somebody made a rug that's like the tom when he's like flattened oh like my when god he gets like steamrolled and it's like a rug like yeah. that, that i want really that fun <laughs> Yeah. But do you want it of him with the little butt cheeks? Like the Xerox he made of himself? <laughs> Ooh, like a Jerry rug of his butt oh, right. for the bathroom? Is that why this that movie could be is like PG instead of G? Yeah, it's fresh. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of fresh jokes. That was fresh. Um, the thing that I wish, like, the true interpretation of this, like, something from the movie I would buy is... Okay, you know when Jerry steals the engagement ring and he has it like hanging from the ceiling in his hotel room? It's like a, a mm. light a chandelier disco ball. I want that. Yeah. I want mm-hmm. a, a chandelier wow. that it's like a big old diamond ring. That's really good. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Chapter four. On your mark, get set, drag your baby. Uh, let's play some games, and by games I mean one game, which is 23andMe. Um, and within this game, we're each going to propose two films that we feel like this movie is indebted to. And once we do so, we'll then vote to determine the lineage of this movie um, by not voting for our own movies. Um, given that we have four guests... In this go around, I think that that should be pretty fun. I have lots of choices. Um, I see that some of y'all have picked other picks that I also considered, and hell yeah, it's great. Um, 
I will go first. Um, my first selection, I, I think, is um, in considering, and both my selections are in considering movies that successfully blend live action and animation, which this movie does not. Um, <laughs> the first one is Paddington. Um, and both Paddington 1, or it's just called Paddington, but both Paddington and Paddington 2 were commercially and critically successful and I think paved the way for a um, just like an okay feeling about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so just like who the fuck cares about blending live action and animation? Like, I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, this movie, that's what they're trying to do. So like, whatever. Um, my... <laughs> Uh, my second pick is Space Jam, which does the same thing and was tremendously financially successful. Um, was very formative for me as a, as a kid. I remember that I had a Space Jam themed uh, Christmas the year that Space Jam came out and all my presents were Space Jam uh, gifts. Um, Humble brag. Humble brag, yes. <laughs> I, I, just, I just have to say it. But the thing is, and I think that the lesson that this movie learned from Space Jam is that Looney Tunes can be repackaged as like a fun thing for kids and that is not the correct lesson. The correct lesson is Michael Jordan is the most beloved athlete of all time and mm. that is why Space Jam was successful um, and not the successful blend of live action and animation Um which is annoying to me. Um, <laughs> I just I just want people to understand why certain things succeeded or didn't. And here we are. Um, those are my picks. Space Jam and Paddington. <laughs> those are great. Caroline, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, yeah, I debated. There, there is a... Uh, I think there's a vast well-populated constellation that this film is a, is a part of. Um, to me, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, just really struck me at one point. Um, mm. Sort of like the body horror, torture porn type dynamic of like mm. watching... Um, <laughs> watching someone small like Jerry inflict such grotesque acts of violence on Tom and like things that no one should survive he he escapes from unscathed and is like more determined in his like homicidal rage um it, it just reminded me a lot of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York um the other one was The Shining at one point I was like, I, I think around the time where I was like, there's a gas leak in this hotel, I started being really confused about the layout of this hotel. <laughs> and like, um, it just doesn't make sense, like from the outside, what it is on the inside, especially like Jerry's, Jerry's world inside the walls. But there are so many shots that were like, 
don't know, there's a point where I think it's, I think it's Tom, like, cuts a hole in the, in the window with his fingernail and, like, sticks his face in, like, hello, like, looking around, and he's chasing yeah. Jerry. And also just, like, being in that hotel, like, uh, takes a toll on people's psyche, and, like... <laughs> Well, I would yeah. not be surprised if there was a picture on the wall somewhere in there that was like um, Rob Delaney looking the same, but like in black and white from like a <laughs> wedding in the 20s. <laughs> yes. There's something up with that hotel. Definitely. Yep. David, who you got? Um, my first movie is uh, Mouse Hunt from, I think, like, 97, starring Nathan Lane, which I didn't clock at the time, uh, and Christopher Walken, too, apparently. Um, I mean, yeah, to it's just me... Yeah, like a cameo. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he was the mouse, I think. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's one of those movies that I, uh, like, watched as a child that really stuck with me. And I, I feel like it's kind of the quintessential, um, like humans chasing a mouse around a hotel, um, in order to prevent the mouse from causing chaos at the party. And there's like cake gags and, um, like the mouse causes all sorts of trouble. And it's just, I mean, all the elements are there. Um, Originally a Broadway play. <laughs> must have been um my no, like actually <laughs> Sorry, no it doesn't matter that. i just realized what? the whole time you were talking you i was don't? like remembering Stuart little and not not mouse Hunt. oh mm-hmm. i was like and mouse he has Hunt, the yeah. car no. <laughs> <laughs> wait so are you telling me that truly mouse hunt was originally a broadway production a musical broadway. I, I am broadway Productions are not all musicals. Broadway is <laughs> simply a location for plays. <laughs> mm, I don't believe. I think you just blew David's mind. Um, uh, my second movie is uh, Transformers. Um, probably the first one, the Shia LaBeouf, uh, Megan Fox, Fox, um, and robots. Uh, I picked this movie for a few reasons. Um, first, I think that Transformers is one of those movies where the like giant CGI uh, like characters in the movie are like operating on a completely different plot and at a different like reality and physics scale than the human characters are in the in the movie, um, and like. <laughs> The two are are completely incompatible with each other, but yet they still exist on the screen together. Um, uh, And then just the kind of utter visual chaos that um, dominates both of these movies. And then I think maybe most importantly, just like the endless like resurrection and recycling of IP, like Mm -hmm. anything that was popular ever, like, I mean, as we all know, but it's, you know, Transformers, and I think Tom and Jerry is just, you know, things that are outdated and better left in the past. Um, they just, they never will be. Yeah. I mean, like, I, 
I personally mentioned Paddington because it was a successful blend of live action and animation, but like the the road to Tom and Jerry is littered with failed live action <laughs> animation adaptations. Like yeah. the Looney Tunes, Rocky and back in action, Bullwinkle bullshit. Rocky and Bullwinkle oh. was like produced by uh, Robert De Niro. What, <laughs> what? A huge. Yeah, Robert no. De Niro. Yeah, in the movie, also produced it. Terrible. Uh, Looney Tunes back in action, like you just said, terrible. Smurfs? It was supposed to be. Was it, it was supposed to be Space Jam too, but Michael Jordan was like, "I'm not doing another one of those fucking movies." <laughs> and then they were like, "Okay, we'll just get Jackie Chan and call it Spy Jam." Uh, but he was like, "I don't want to do one." Of those. <laughs> and they were like, "Okay, we'll call it Race Jam," and put jeff gordon the nascar racer in it and <laughs> thank fucking god there's not a movie called race jam starring a white man oh my god oh my god and it turned into looney tunes back in action which is a movie that just like bombed catastrophically because because brandon live action and animation isn't a thing people want speak for like, yourself <laughs> I think just, I mean Who Framed Roger Rabbit Was like lightning in a bottle Like so many things Had to come together For that movie To work so well And I am mm. Depressed that I saw on IMDb That there's a Who Framed Roger Rabbit 2 um, At some point I mean I don't know How real it is It's real enough To be on IMDb As something coming In the future Is it a sequel Or a reboot No idea It says <gasps> 2 Meaning that it would be I think a sequel But it shouldn't happen. That's the great thing about... Oh, God. Why didn't they what call it gonna... two, two Framed Roger Rabbit? Stop. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the great thing about um, live-action animated films is that the animated characters never age, so you can make a sequel, you know, 25 years later. And it just picks up. That's true. That's why they did it. It's brilliant. Are you are you saying that no matter how old you get, um, cartoon characters stay the same age? And that's why I love them. <laughs> yep. Okay. Should I get my two picks? <laughs> yeah, Jenny. <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> my first pick is um, Dunstan Chexon. Um, yeah, solid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, uh, somehow I, yeah. often mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> it's a wonderful film. I've seen many times. What do you mean somehow? Yeah, I don't understand. It's fucking it's formative. Stars it's Jason Alexander. Stone. It fucking bombed. It was like it got ten million in the box office. Um, Just like the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, Jason Alexander, a common. Oh my god! Thread on this block. Oh, and he was just in Cinderella. Jason. Anywho. He stays um, busy. You know, that movie, there's the hotel angle. Like, Jason Alexander plays essentially Michael Pena's character here. He's, like, trying to do well. He takes his job seriously. There's, like, a reviewer coming. Like, a mysterious sort of, like, Ratatouille-esque reviewer coming to review the hotel. And he has a son who lives with him in the hotel. And a jewel thief comes who has an orangutan as a pet. Um, And so... The orangutan is kind of like Tom and Jerry in one, <laughs> in a way. Um, 
hijinks ensue in a hotel. Like that's really the reason why I chose that. And the second one, um, I was do you think that they should have just called this movie orangutan? <laughs> yeah, I do. My second choice is cats. And I briefly brought that up earlier in the, in this podcast. And that's why I, I was like, Oh yeah, this, this is another example of someone trying to take a, like a nostalgic thing that belongs in a certain medium and, and, and adapt it for modern day in a different medium. And uh, mm. does it unsuccessfully so um, involving animated tactics, which we didn't really talk about, but I do think that like, this is CGI. Like they made them 3d, but just with some 2d like masking elements to it. And I, I feel like the smoothness of their bodies is sort of weird and plays just flat on the screen. Um, mm. And, and kind of thinking on that line, um, I was looking into Tim's story and I don't know if you all saw what he has coming down the pipe, but this man Mm-mm. loves no. to recreate old stories. He's doing a film called Monopoly that involves <gasps> a boy that lives on Baltic <laughs> Avenue. Oh He's also doing a contemporary retelling of Scrooge's tale called Humbug. So he's like, he's he got a whiff with Tom and Jerry and he's like running with it, I think. He's like just looking around at like his bookcase and like objects and he's like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then everything else he's doing is starring Kevin Hart because I think that they must be besties. He like produced or directed his um, comedy shows and Mm -hmm. he's like starring in everything. Um, I mean, that's fine. Like Kevin Hart fucking banks. I I would do the same. Yeah. But I am curious about the Monopoly one because it's another situation where like this is not was never a film. (laughs) To my knowledge, it is a game. And I don't think there's ever been maybe maybe there was a straight to video monopoly retelling but i imagine the rights the ip rights are probably pretty hard to get and i don't know if they were given to him before tom and jerry was released who owns them but i'm for one i'm going we're going to do this that movie when it comes out for this there's podcast. so much certainly there's so much there like property prison justice like there's a lot yes chest there's a lot of drama there. And Trains. I just now remember, did you all ever watch that BBC doc about people who like marry inanimate objects? And there was the woman who married a Monopoly game and she called him Monop for short. And she had a British accent. It was like a whole thing. She's like, me and my Monop. Anyway, you can cut that, cut, you can cut that out. But um, just need to make sure everyone in my life knew that that was a thing. <laughs> Jenny, what I like about cats is that it raises a lot of questions. Like it, there's a lot of questions that their choices in terms of animation, like creative decisions, brought out in Cats that, you know, Could the public just, break it. we were not ready to have those conversations. Um, I feel like, and with the with Cats being brought into this conversation, it begs the question, does Tom and Jerry have a butthole cut? Yeah, that's exactly what it I was getting at. It does beg that question, David. They never show them going to the bathroom. Right, we don't see Spike's butthole. So maybe that is what Michael Pena was really freaking out about. Tom doesn't have a litter box anywhere. No. Like, 
No, Jerry's apartment doesn't have a bathroom. Maybe that's why we see him in the alley. He that's where his potty is. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's must be. that's deep. <laughs> uh, David, what's your vote for Twenty Three and Me? Um, gotta go with Space Jam. I think that's spot on. Um, and um. I Caroline, I think your um the case you made for The Shining was compelling, and you've convinced me. And I I gotta go with Space Jam and The Shining. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Um. I think Dunstan check in, checks in is also somehow a clear antecedent to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hopefully that's the first time anybody ever said that. But <laughs> um, I also, Caroline, your picks are great. I I think that um, I also want to say The Shining. Um, it's it's certainly a remix. It's not a remake, but <laughs> the elements are there. Um, I, I vibed with it. I felt that. Thank you, Caroline. Who you got? <sighs> this is so hard. I. I mean, Dunstan checks in. Feels like it checks all my boxes. Um, <laughs> 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 I think it's like. Yeah, I, I could see somebody watching that and being like, "This needs a this needs an update," but throwback with Tom and Jerry. <laughs> um, and I also think Transformers. Honestly, it's like turning uh, old IP that doesn't need to be a, a modern day film franchise into one, mm-hmm. um, and just a lot of it. Like, the idea of, like, when you're watching it, you're, like, I don't know, for me, watching Tom and Jerry, I would be watching it and being, like, they're just filming an empty room right now because everything that's happening in it is animated. And just imagining that um, weirded me out the same way I feel when I watch movies like Transformers or Marvel movies. It's, like, this is just a blank mm. slate. So I I like that. I'm going to go Transformers and Dunstan checks in. Mm the first and last time those movies have been in the same (laughs) sentence together um i'm picking hummel and two lost in new york i i also have those vibes and in this film and you know we we didn't really touch on the fact that like so many of these like weird remake nostalgia movies are like x movie in new york like that's such a thing Mm -hmm. it's like oh just throw Mm -hmm. them in new york um so that feels right. And then I got to go Space Jam because they were kind of like so close to having Space Jam. Like Who Framed Roger Rabbit is just a it's not even just like a good film for a live action animation. It's like a good film. But Space Jam is like good despite like, you know, because <laughs> it, within those parameters <laughs> and it's not really even good. No. It actually has a completely no, nonsensical plot and it's truly bad um i think we all just really love because of our nostalgia for space jam um so both of those i think 
hit, and I will asterisk that I just looked up the Monopoly game. It is also starring Kevin Hart, um, which makes sense because he what? just did which, the other which... board game movie, Jumanji. Is he Mr. Monopoly? I'm not sure. He's the only cast member currently listed. Like sign, he signed on. <laughs> so it could Wait, be a it like Doctor Doolittle situation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's like Clue, where it's like their embodiment. Like he's top hat guy. Yeah, I mean that's how you do a board game movie. Is like hopefully yeah, he'll watch Clue notes. for research. Uh, but yes, um, those are my two. Home Alone and. Um, that's great i mean i think that clue is pretty fun and really misogynistic and um (laughs) that's just my take while we're while the computer is tabulating these results damn maybe i need Um, to rewatch it i just it's it's chowny um so luckily this uh calculation wasn't too hard for the computer um, the straight-to-video computer. Um, so it, it looks like tabulations are stating that uh, Tom and Jerry is 25% Dunstan checks in, 25% The Shining, 25% Space Jam, uh, 25, no, 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 uh, 12% Home Alone 2, and 12% The Transformers. <laughs> the Transformers. I like that, that it has that many, that many things in its DNA that feels right for this movie. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. It's, it's just, like, really checking a lot of names. Um, well... You guys, um, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, I will say that, um, you know, in a way, we are like the elephants because uh, we're never going to forget how terrible this movie was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm afraid of mice. Oh, same. (laughs) Thank you and no thank you. (laughs) Thank you and no thank you. Um, ultimately, my reaction to this movie is, thanks, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but actually, special thank you to Caroline Gormley, uh, our guest programmer and guest star. Um, see you guys next week, and thanks for being here with us. Thanks for being a part of Hyperreal Film Club. Bye, I love you. This guy, he goes goes to the doctor. Um, it's it's hard to go to the doctor right now, you know, during the pandemic. Um, it's just kind of anxiety inducing, and he's you know sizing up everybody in the room and in the waiting room. And um, this young guy who like checks in after him gets to go see the doctor first, and that sucks. Um, like just do people in order, you know? Like that's really annoying. Um, but finally his name is called and he goes back and, um, they weigh him and sit him down in a chair on some tissue paper. 
Um, he's looking at the pamphlets of the STDs, and, and finally the doctor comes in, and um, doctor says, uh, what, what seems to be the trouble? And the guy says, Doc, I, I think I'm dying. <laughs> Is that Christopher Walken? No, it's just a guy. Um, <laughs> and the doctor says, <laughs> "Why do you, why do you think you're dying?" And uh, he says, "I, I just saw Tom and Jerry." Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that that joke is relatable because that's how I felt <laughs> after I saw <laughs> Tom and Jerry. Wow, a perfectly crafted joke. The voice may have been like the Trojan horse for the joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had me going. Uh, 